I have an important question that I, I think that we need to grapple with every now and again. What do you do when you face death in your life? What do you do when you face death in your life? In Psalms, there are a number of Psalms. If you've ever read through the entire book, they, they tend to be uplifting. There are different genres. There are happy ones, praise Psalms. I like to read out of Psalm 145 quite often. It's a praise Psalm. Uh, there are others called Psalms of Ascent where, where there are people who are journeying to Israel and they're singing these songs in preparation and anticipation of seeing uh, God in Israel. And there are some that are called Lament Psalms. They're, they're not super popular. Uh, if you listen to the radio, you don't tend to hear songs of lament. That doesn't, that doesn't sell. <laughs> but generally speaking, you don't hear people singing about how life is just so hard and painful and God, where are you right now? That, that just doesn't seem to catch it, Poppy, in terms of, uh, of a nice hook. In Psalm 88, one of the darkest psalms that we see, you hear this, this writer, a man named uh, Heman, and he's, he's speaking to God, and he says this, O oh Lord, my God, the God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near to Sheol. That's the place of death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You've put me in the depths of the pit, in the region of dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all of your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Each day I call upon you, O Lord, and I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or the, your faithfulness in, in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your, righteous, your righteousness in the land of the forgetful? But I, O oh Lord, cry out to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless your wrath has slept, swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. And here's the last verse. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. And that's the end. What do you do when you face death in your life? What do you do when, when a relationship dies? What do you do when your circumstances begin to degenerate out of your control? When you face serious health issues that, that you can't fix with diet and exercise? When you lose a loved one, what do you do when you face death? We're going to hear what the Lord has to say to us. Stand together, we're going to read out of John chapter 11. It's a long passage, so I'm going to read, but we're going to all stand for the sake of reverencing God's word. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Again, I'm going to read it, and you can you listen along. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the, the village of Mary and her, 
her sister Martha. It was Mary who, was an, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, The Lord, Lord, he whom you love is ill, verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 days or 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if... If he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they had thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas is ride or die, all right. Right and die. Anyways, okay, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die, shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she had heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at her feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Verse 38. We're almost there, guys. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, 
Come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come to, with Mary had seen what he had did and believed in him. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you in the midst of death. Whether we face death or death has come upon us, God, we thank you that you are Lord over death. God, I pray that you would bring your resurrection power to bear in the lives of the people in this room. Those who have seen dreams die, those who have seen family members walk away from the faith, those who have seen brokenness in their bodies, God, would you bring resurrection life to bear? And at the same time, God, I pray that these minor resurrections would not distract us from the reality that it was intended to point to your glory, the glory of the one who raised himself from the dead, who is now seated at the right hand, and who reigns and rules, Jesus Christ our Lord. And God, I pray that I pray that with Martha we would be able to say that we believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Good job. Give, give yourselves a pat on the back. I debated about whether or not to read a portion of that or the whole thing, but I felt like, one, it's, it's good for us to hear the word of God. And I'm, that, I'm, that's not just lip service. It's good for you to hear the word of God. I mean, the amount of junk that we hear on the radio or in the news, just, let's just... Let's have a cleansing, listening to the Word of God. And then secondly, it was, what do you read? What don't you read? Anyways, okay. So, I want you to keep in mind this question that I asked. What do we do when our lives resemble that psalm when, when we face death? I think that there are four things that we can draw out from this, this section of Scripture. First, that God will allow death to show His power over death. God will allow death to show his power over death. Secondly, God will assure us in the midst of our pain. God will assure us in the midst of our pain. And then thirdly, God will mourn with us. And then fourthly and finally, God will give life to us. And here's the thing, family. If Jesus can restore the physical life of Lazarus, then he can certainly restore and resurrect anything he so chooses in our lives. Amen? So, first of all, God will allow death to show his power over death. There's this, there's an insidious view, this idea that tries to creep its way into Christianity that God does not want you to experience suffering. Like, God, he, he likes you. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. And he does not want you to experience pain. And on one level, that's true. Like a father who who does things to ensure that their children don't, you know, fall into a ditch, God intends to protect us. But he is willing to allow us to experience certain kinds of pain in order to bring certain kinds of life to us. John tells us here that sometimes God specifically allows and even brings suffering or even death into our lives. If you look at verses 1 through 6, it says that now 
uh, this man was ill, Lazarus, in this place called Bethany. And, and this, was a, this was a man that was loved by Jesus. This wasn't an enemy of God. This wasn't a, an enemy of Jesus. This wasn't someone who was fighting against Jesus. This was someone who, who cared about him. If you go to chapter 2, you see Mary anointing Jesus' feet with, with this precious perfume. They were, they were maybe well off, but whatever the case is, she shows how much she values Jesus by her act of devotion. And, and they had been friends with him. They, they were loved by him. And it was that love that God had for them, that love that Jesus had for him, that, that motivated him not to come in and save the day and give them exactly what they wanted, but to stall and wait. Listen to the words that he says. You, the, they, they send to him and say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, you know what? This illness is not going to lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and Mary, or sorry, Martha and, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard this, that Lazarus was, was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, the old version of the NIV had tried to translate that so into yet. Like, he loved them, but he let them stay, as though the staying was despite the fact that he loved them. But if you look at the new version, and if you look at the ESV, and really any translation that, that uh, takes this seriously and wrestles with it, it says so, very clearly. He loved them, so he allowed Lazarus to die. Are you suffering right now? Are you in the middle of a trial? Does it some like, sometimes think that, that life is falling apart for you? And you're, you're looking at God and saying, God, come and help me. I want to encourage you, family, that, that when you are experiencing trials, God is at work. When you are experiencing suffering, God is at work. Especially when that suffering is, is not brought about by your own bad behavior. I'm talking to those of you who have been laboring in prayer. Those who have who've been taking scriptures and, and saying, I'm laying this before you, God. You said this. You said by, by his stripes we are healed. You said train up a child in the way he'll go. You said God. And yet at the same time, you're experiencing pain and suffering right now. God has not forgotten you. God has not left his post. God has not become not God. He's not turned into an angry old man in the sky and he has not stopped being good. Jesus was willing to let his dear friend experience pain and his, his close friend die so that they could experience his power over their pain. And God will do the same to you. God is willing to allow death into your life so that he can show his power over death. But not only that, he, he will assure us in our pain. We see that Jesus interacts as he's traveling to, to visit this family. He sees Martha and he sees Mary. And what, what I hope that you picked up on is they, they begin to address Jesus almost exactly with the same words. Martha hears that he's coming and, and so she runs out to see him. And she says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And like a good firstborn, responsible you know, born in the church, young lady, she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask is from God, and God will answer you. 
One commentator makes a helpful observation that, that Jesus doesn't correct her for her response. Um, she's feeling this anger, this grief, this loss, this sadness. Her brother has just died. And it, and it seems like she's the kind of person who would take on, whether it's, it's appropriate or not, the responsibility of the household. She's a doer. So she feels the responsibility to care for everyone who's, who's suffering, who's mourning. She's, she's caring for her little sister, Mary. She's trying to organize things. She's talking to the funeral home. She's taking the responsibilities upon herself. And she's angry. And she's sad. And she's grieving. And she says, Lord, if you'd just been here. But then she says, you know what? But I know. But I know. You ever feel that way? Ever had a painful situation where you had strong emotions, legitimate emotions, and in an effort to be a, a good Christian, you push those feelings way down. <laughs> you, you just pushed them way down, and you plastered a smile on your face. You went to church. How are you doing? I'm fine. But your, your, <laughs> your eye was twitching. Family, God already knows how you feel. And he's willing to hear you when you're in that situation. Jesus doesn't correct her. Doesn't, you know what, Martha, you need to calm down. Let me, let me help you understand what's going on. No, he, he listens to her. He hears her. And he reassures her. It says, your brother will rise again. And Martha... She, she re-engages with this kind of surface level. I, you know, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. That's what we believe. He's in heaven. We're going to trust God. And, and he says, no, 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 Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. I'm the resurrection. Anyone who experiences death that's not, there's no period at the end of that because I am the resurrection. He's, he's the cosmic comma. And he says that I, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. If you put your trust in him, if you put your faith in him, even though you die, again, it's not a, it's not a period because your life is eternal. Now it's eternal. Do you trust in Jesus now? Your life is eternal now. You're walking in the, the experience of eternal life here and now. Salvation is not just something that we experience when we die and we go to heaven and, and St. Peter gives us a halo and, 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 a, and some sort of harp and says, you know, you're, you're going to be on, on cloud A7 right over there. That's a, that's a silly, ridiculous view of of. of what God wants to do in our life. He wants us to experience the reality of our purpose and our creation and the glory of God now. I am the resurrection and the life. This is the theological apex of the story. This is the point of this story. Really, the, the, the resurrection of Lazarus is, is not even the point. It's the sign that points to the point. Have you ever prayed in your pain? Do you need to go pray today? Some of you, 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 you have, in the same way that when you come to church and you put on a, 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 you know, your nicest outfit or whatever you can get together before you get to church, and you, you put a, a facade together, you relate to God the same way. 
And, you know, you're writing in your journal like, oh, today was tough, but God is good. And, and that's true. God is good. But God invites you and me to wrestle with the reality of the difficulties you face. Not to pri- try to ignore them or, or paint them like they're not that big of a deal, but to say even though these things are legitimately huge, God is even greater. Sometimes it's good to be reminded that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But sometimes, sometimes you don't want to have a discussion. Sometimes you just want someone to be with you. I feel like for husbands, that's like, that's a lesson that you, you need to learn a long time ago. And then you can be married for a long time and still like, but no, but I have the answer. And they're like, I don't want the answer. I just want you to be with me. But like, I can fix this problem. So it's interesting, after encountering Martha, Jesus encounters Mary. He knows people. He knows how we work. And, and even though Mary responds very similarly, he re- responds to her very differently. Uh, it says in verse 32, Now when, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's exact same words as Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But what's interesting is, is Mary is constantly falling at Jesus' feet. In, verse, in chapter 12, we see her fall at Jesus' feet. There's another place in, in one of the other Gospels where she falls at Jesus' feet. There's this kind of devotional, relational, emotional connection that, that she has with Jesus that's a little different than Martha's. Martha's kind of up here, you know. Maybe you're up here and you need to be convinced of things before you can kind of move into those things emotionally. Like I, I think that's a lot of men. You, you, you want to hear it here um, before you're willing to begin to allow it to process. And then some of you, you're like, it's happening here whether I want it to or not. It's happening in my heart and, and God engages you at that level. And that's what happens with Martha. I mean, listen to how he responds. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and his spirit was greatly troubled. And then it, almost like he's choking back tears, he says, where, where have you laid him? They said to him, come, Lord, Lord, come and see. And Jesus, he comes to the place. He sees Mary, the sweet young lady. He sees these people. Their, their eyes are red-rimmed. They're worn out. They're disheveled. They feel hopeless. And he starts just to weep. Just just emotion, crying. Connecting with the people in their pain. You know, one of the things that's the most significant realities of your Christian walk compared to any other kind of promise of salvation, any other religion, is that you have this absolutely sovereign, holy, righteous, transcendent God who at the same time is willing to enter into your world and weep with you. He's, he doesn't weep, the, 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 he doesn't cry the tears of, of an impotent, weak demigod who can't get anything done in your life. And he doesn't stand off as this unapproachable, unknowable, 
transcendent God who doesn't have any sort of real impact on my life. He is this unique person who is absolutely in control of this moment and yet absolutely connected to where they are. I want you to connect with this family because some of you, you want to hold God off at a distance, but he wants to come in and heal you. He wants to address not just your thoughts, not just your frustrations, but your hurt and your heart. Jesus weeps. He mourns with her. Jesus is in the same way with you in your pain. One of the greatest lies the enemy tells us is that we are alone. He will tempt you into doing something alone or being alone or isolating yourself while you're alone. And then he'll say, see, you're alone because he's a jerk. But you're not alone. So many, we have, standing on this side of, of resurrection life, we have so many promises of God's presence with us. He tells his disciples in in Matthew 28, go into all the world. And he says, I'm going to be with you. And then he gives his Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and he says, I'm going to be with you. And that with you is not just so that he can tell you, don't do that. It's not just so he can direct you and say, okay, this is how you need to worship me. No, it's so he can say, I love you. I love you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm connected to you in your pain. Even though God in Jesus Christ is is at the right hand of God and and we don't necessarily experience him here, that love and that compassion and that that sensitivity is ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's with you in your pain. Sometimes we need answers. Sometimes we need someone to be with us. Jesus is both. And so Jesus goes to the tomb. He prays and calls Lazarus back from the dead. I don't mean to minimize that portion, but he goes to the place of Martha's pain. He goes to the place of Mary's pain. He goes to the place of Lazarus's pain. And he calls out life. It's his nature to give life. You know, it's the nature of birds to fly. And they learn how to do it. They have an itch to do it. They, they jump out of tall nests and fall onto my, uh, my son's Eve because birds are dumb and they, they want to fly. That is their nature. And so it is my nature then at that point to love my children and climb onto the roof and try to save these dumb little birds because that is my nature. It is the nature of fish to swim. They don't have to think about it. They don't struggle with, oh, you know, this is hard. You know, do I flap left or right or... Uh, no, they just, they just swim because that's what they do. And it is the nature of Jesus to bring dead things to life. That is, that's what he does, family. You don't go to God and say, oh God, you know, I, could, would you mind maybe, could you consider, I know it's not something you often do, but would you maybe consider bringing life to the situation? No, you go to God and say, God, this is what you do. This is what brings you Glory. Didn't I say to you that you were going to see the glory of God? Some of you, family, I would, I would encourage you to pray some bold prayers and believe that God is who he says he is, the God who brings life. 
as we, as we come to a close, what dead things do you need to bring to Jesus? What dead things do you need to bring Jesus to? Do you need to bring Jesus to your marriage? Do you need to bring Jesus to your, your prodigal? Do you need to bring Jesus to the place of your pain in your heart? That place where you've up to this point said, you know what, no one's going to touch that space. I've, I've opened up that space in the past and I paid for it. Do you need to bring Jesus to the places of fear in your heart? What do you need to bring Jesus to? Jesus allows death to show his power over death. If you're experiencing death, that's an opportunity to say, God, show yourself to be God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us that, that we ourselves, apart from Christ, are dead in our trespasses and sins. That, that we, like Lazarus, are unresponsive to God, apart from the work of God. We may not be in a tomb, but unless we trust in Jesus Christ, unless we believe that he is the Son of God, right, as Martha says, that he is the Son of God, the Christ who has come into the world to save people, to take away our sin and give us new life. If we don't believe that, we find ourselves to be dead. But Jesus offers eternal life and resurrection life to anyone who believes in him. Like the most famous Bible verse, for God so loved the world. How did he love the world? By sending his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts him, would not perish, not experience death, but would have eternal life. Do you believe in Jesus today? What do you do when you face death in your life? You talk to God, you mourn before God, and you trust God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are, you are God who is willing to allow us to be honest with where we are. Lord, I pray for those who are in this room and are in the midst of trials and pain and suffering, and they're facing death. And, and Jesus, I pray that you would minister resurrection life, that you would raise the water level of faith in this house, that we would trust not our ability to cajole you into some sort of action, but we would trust that you are a God whose nature it is to give life. And I pray that we would pray with that kind of conviction. God, I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts to pray with the kind of conviction that says, God, glorify yourself. Glorify yourself in this relationship. Glorify yourself in this situation. Glorify yourself in my body. And when that, when that resurrection life happens, Lord, that we would not just say, yay, but we would say, God, you are worthy. That we would tell our friends, God, he is worthy. That we would tell our neighbors, God, he is worthy. He is worthy. Our God is a resurrection God. Our God is a life-giving God. We, we worship you, God. And the God, at the same time, I would pray that as we, as we pursue that kind of boldness, that you would meet us in our places of weakness, and, and mourning, but that you would touch the hearts of those who are mourning even today, those who are mourning the loss of, of someone, mourn, those who are mourning the loss of a relationship, those who are mourning the, the apparent loss of, of, a, of a loved one, those who are mourning a situation. God, would you, would you be close 
and comfort by your spirit. God, we thank you that your, your Holy Spirit, he is our comforter. It is in his nature to bring comfort. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to respond. If that's you, if you've never trusted and you want to respond, would you just raise your hand? God, we love you and we thank you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.